0: And to all the ladies who are here, happy Mother's Day to you. Normally, uh, during the service, I'll have other mothers stand so we can give them a round of applause and thank uh, our mothers. But you're here today, and you have a horn, so honk your horn for your mother if you love your mother today or if you miss your mother. <laughs> all right. Uh, today is Mother's Day. It's a special day when we can can thank our mothers, honor our mothers, and uh, also remember those uh, who were mothers to us I also know it's a very uh, difficult and it's a it's also a painful time uh, for for many people so we don't make the entire emphasis of the service uh, about mothers but we do mention mothers and we do honor them today let's go before the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father we come before you we thank you and uh, we praise you uh, for all that you have done for us for all that you have revealed to us we thank you for our moms we do pray for people today who grieve, who are experiencing just a, a sense of difficulty uh, today through this time. I pray that your, your peace would be upon them. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give comfort. And today I know that there are many families who have to be separated due to uh, distance and due to maybe quarantine. I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would fill uh, those who are separated from family today with a sense of your goodness and of your peace. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that this is love that will never let us go. And we thank you, Lord, that though we, we may have come from imperfect families, and all of us actually have come from imperfect families, we thank you that you are a perfect Heavenly Father, and you brought us into this brand new family of the church. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you again for gathering with us today. I'm so glad that God's Word is not bound. Uh, it doesn't matter how His Word is broadcast, whether it's through Facebook Live, uh, through Dial-In Church, or now through Drive-In Church. just want to thank you for being here with us today. So today we gather to hear from God's Word, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians. And today we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the family of believers in the ancient Roman city of Ephesus. In our reading today, we'll learn that in Jesus, we've been given a brand new family. A brand new family. A brand new family is yours in the household of believers. And Actually, right now, we're in the middle of a sermon series entitled, Brand New, We're learning about all the things that are made brand new through our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. And we started this brand new uh, series uh, entitled Brand New with Brand New Perspective. Uh, We learned that the resurrected Jesus comes to us and he gives us a brand new perspective so that we see Jesus as our resurrected Savior. He's alive. He's alive. Then we learned that that the resurrected Jesus gives us brand new life. Through the power of God's word, those dead in their sins are made alive. So we've been given a brand new perspective, a brand new life. Then last week we learned that that in Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, we're given a brand new attitude. A brand new attitude that serves others in Christ-like humility. And today we will learn about our brand new family from Ephesians chapter two, beginning with the 17th verse. And Jesus came and he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father. We both have access in one spirit to the Father Paul gives a number of metaphors about what this brand new life in Christ is about. The sermon could have been entitled Brand New Citizenship because Paul talks about uh, the fact that in Jesus we're given a brand new citizenship. We're no longer foreigners or aliens, but we are fellow citizens. The sermon could have also been entitled Brand New Building because in Jesus we're being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone joined together into a holy temple to the Lord. So in Jesus, you do have a brand new citizenship. And there's a brand new building. We're being built together. We build the church into a temple in the Lord. Jesus actually makes all things brand new. Brand new perspective, a brand new life, brand new attitude. Now we learn that we've also been given a brand new family. In Jesus, through his church, you were given a brand new family. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household, the household of God. So today we're going to latch on to that concept of family, a brand new family. How many of you have ever thought, now be honest, be honest. Wouldn't it be nice to have a brand new family? Sometimes those nearest and dearest to us, they can get on our nerves from time to time. You've heard it, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Maybe after a holiday gathering, I know I never thought of it, but maybe you have. Wouldn't it be nice to have a brand new family? In Christ, you've been given a brand new family. But I need to warn you. I need to warn you. Having a new family in the family of believers is is not easier. It's not easier than living with your blood relatives. Those in the family of the church get on each other's nerves, too. And I'm sorry to say it, but this brand new family in the church is not a utopian gathering. The church is full of sinners in need of grace. And even within the family of the church, we offend one another. So don't get your hopes up. Don't think for a second that your church family is is the perfect family. We're all a work in progress. But the Bible does say that we are family. The Bible doesn't say that we are like family. We're not like family. The Bible actually teaches that we are family. We are family. Why does the Bible call us family? Well, I believe it's because of our, of our common father. Our common father. Who is your father? Who is my father? Well, God is our father. We are actually blood-related We all have a common father through the blood of Jesus. So people who have the same father are automatically in the same family. We share together a common family. God is our father. We even pray it together. We pray it together as the family gathers. We pray our father, our father who art in heaven. So because of our shared relationship with our Heavenly Father, the church is not like, it's not like a family. The church is a family. And how you relate to your family tells me a lot about you as a person. How you relate to your family tells me a lot about who you are. And your, your relationship to your family of faith tells me a lot about your relationship with your heavenly Father. You really can't separate a relationship with God from a relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't have one without the other. To have God as your, as your Father is to belong to a great, big, colorful family called the church. And it's not a perfect family. You just need to read through the, the New Testament really quick, and it reveals the shortcomings of individuals in the family of the church. So again, belonging to the church doesn't mean you belong to a perfect utopian family. Conflicts arise in the family of Christ church. Don't assume that God's children always reflect the perfect, loving nature of our Father in heaven. So who is this brand new family? Who is this brand new family? The church. The church is this brand new family. The church consists of all who repent of sins, those who trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. All who trust in Jesus as Savior are welcomed by the Father into the family of God. Those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are not members of this brand new family. But when people repent and believe, the Father welcomes them in. And also remember this, those who might be members of a local church, those who might be members of a local church and and whose unbelief is unknown to the congregation, they're outside the family. So being a member of a local church doesn't make you a child of our Heavenly Father and a member of the family of the Christian church. It is the the local church, it is the church that is this brand new family. It's the family that gathers. The family gathers together to receive the gifts of grace from our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father wants to give good gifts to His children. And those good gifts are given to us primarily in his word. So we have this loving heavenly father. His arms are open. He says, come to me. And I desire to give good gifts to you. And this gathering of believers and the holy Christian church. So who is this brand new family? Bottom line, this brand new family are those who believe the gospel, trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life gathering in in local assemblies for the purpose of being served by our gracious Father in heaven. And what brings us into the family? What brings us into the family? Well, adoption brings us into the family. This is interesting. Not only are we blood-related to our Father in heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we have also been adopted we've been adopted. Ephesians 1 says, in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So what brings us into this new family? Well, it's, it's adoption. It's adoption. In love, God chose you to be adopted into this brand new family. And this adoption isn't your doing. This adoption is an act of God's grace towards you. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Who's in the family? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. What brings us into the family? Adoption. Adoption. And then how do we live in this brand new family? One word. Love. Love. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who was over all and through all and in all. How do we live in this new family? How do we live with each other? One word. Love love. And love says so much. It says so much. Th- did you know that love says, wh- says way more than you could ever think? Love is such, a, is such a broad concept within the scriptures. Within the New Testament, there are 11 verses, 11 verses that simply say this, love one another. Love one another. Others say, through love, serve one another. Another says, be devoted to one another in love. Love says so much. And I believe that that love gives birth to unity and humility. And where there's love, there's unity. And where there's love, there's humility. And as we live in this brand new family, we grow in our faith. Our Father begins to give us His own nature. And as we grow in our faith, God gives us a brand new attitude. And this brand new attitude leads to love, which expresses itself in unity and in humility. How do we live in this family? We live in this family with love that leads to a Christ-like servanthood attitude towards one another. So we live in this family with love, but how do we stay in the family? How do we stay in the family? We stay in the family by grace alone. Did you know that God will not cast off his children? Some may choose to rebel, Some may choose to leave this brand new family that's been given to them. They might choose to leave their heavenly father. But God is always ready to welcome them back. And if your heavenly father is ready to welcome them back, then shouldn't we joyfully welcome those who return in repentance and faith? Remember the prodigal son who laughed. How was he? received again he was received with the fattened calf and a party and I think that uh, many churches have failed to teach this reality to our youth sometimes in the church we spend so much time telling kids that sin is bad and that sinners will be judged it's true sin is bad it's true the sinner will be judged Maybe some have left the church for a season to enter into a lifestyle of rebellion against God, which is common to many people. But because they've they've heard so much preaching against sin and the rebuking of the sinner, they're afraid to return to the family because they think that they will be judged by the church. They're afraid they'll be judged. They're afraid they won't truly be welcomed into the family of believers because of their choices when in fact they should be afraid to stay away. We need to tell people it doesn't matter how far you wander from your Father in Heaven. It doesn't matter how far you wander from the the family of faith. Your Heavenly Father, He is always ready to welcome you home again with open and loving arms. And maybe some in, in the family of the church will judge. It's true, we don't belong to a perfect family. And some will judge. But I believe, especially here at Maple Park, most will welcome them home again with joy and with open arms. I close uh, with the testimony of a lady. Her name is Andrea Dilly. She's an editor for Christianity Today. And she's a part of something called the Pelican Project it's a uh, a ministry for women in uh, teaching women uh, the Bible and theology. And Andrea has this testimony of, of leaving the family of faith and returning again. She says, during my junior year in college I took a butter knife from my mother's kitchen and scraped the Christian fish decal off the back bumper of the Plymouth Hatchback that she'd inherited from her older brother. Stripping off that sticker foreshadowed the day a few years later where she says that I would walk out of church. That she would walk away from the family of believers. She says the reason for my discontent were complicated. By most standards I had a healthy childhood. I grew up the daughter of missionaries in rural Kenya uh, that laid the foundation for my faith. She said I spent the rest of my childhood in the Pacific Northwest raised in a stable church that gave me hymns, and mission trips, and potluck dinners. She says, I was surrounded by smart, conscientious Christians, the kind of people who read 19th century Russian novels and took meatloaf to firefighters when much of eastern Washington state went up in flames in the fall of 1991. When I started into my skeptic phase, my Christian community gave me, listen to this, her family of faith gave her a space to struggle. Then my Christian family gave me a space to struggle. They listened to my doubts about faith. They took my questions seriously. And yet when I turned 23, I left the church. Listening to a sermon at my older brother's church on Sunday, I stood up, leaned over to my father and said, this is bull. More than that, Just that sermon, I was sick of church. I was sick, too, of all the spiritual questions plaguing me. Why does the church seem so culturally insulated and dysfunctional? Why does God seem distant and uninvolved? And most of all, why does God allow suffering? These questions didn't come out of nowhere. I'd spent time in high school volunteering in refugee camps in Kenya and in college working with families on welfare in Central Washington. I saw hungry babies, I walked into homes that were piled with garbage and dirty laundry. In an orphanage uh, in the slums of Nairobi, I held AIDS babies and worked with disabled children who had been left at the front gates of the orphanages by parents who couldn't afford to feed them. I saw things that I couldn't make sense of as a Christian. Walking out of church was a way of saying, I'm done. I'm done with this. For two years, I skipped church. My Bible gathered dust on the shelf. The local bars became my temples. I indulged in the cliché rebellions of a Christian girl. I got involved with men twice my age without thinking twice about it. I wanted to break from being good. And then strangely, I woke up one morning at age 25, climbed into my car and drove downtown to attend a 10 a.m. church service. I won't relate here the whole story of how I came back to the church, but if if I had to follow the standard testimonial narrative of Christians, the script for my life story would go something like this. Step one, grow up in a Christian church. Step two, go off to college, away from said church. Step three, be exposed to the enticements of secular life. Step four, try drugs and Pearl Jam. Step five, leave the church because of aforementioned enticements. Step six, experience epiphany. Realize the vapidness of secular enticements. Step seven, return to church with a penitent heart. Step eight, reestablish faith. Discover good living. In reality, I left the church more because of my own internal discontent than the lure of the so-called secular life. When I came back, I still carried the same discontent. I was confused and still bothered by questions and doubts. I stayed in the back row. I didn't sing. I didn't pray. I wasn't really sure I wanted to be there. And yet I sat there, Sunday after Sunday, listening to the pastor to the organ pipes and trying to figure out what was going on in my dark conflicted heart. Although I never experienced that dramatic reconversion moment, I did come to peace with two slow growing realizations. First, my doubt belonged in church. Her doubt belonged in the family of believers. Did you know that? This family The family of the church is a place that your doubt belongs. People who know my story ask what I would have changed about my spiritual journey. Nothing. I had to leave the family to find the family. And when I came back, the return wasn't clear or conclusive. Since then, I've come to believe that my doubts belong inside the space of the church My questions belong on the altars, on the altar as my only offering to God. With all its faults, I still associate with the church, with the pursuit of truth and justice, with community and shared humanity. It's a place to ask the unanswerable questions, and a place to be on sojourn. No other institution has given me what the church has a space to search for God. And second, my doubt is actually part of my faith. In Mark 9, 24, a man says to Jesus, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. The Catholic writer, Flannery O'Connor, called this the, foundational, the foundation prayer of faith. I pray that prayer often, she says. I pray that prayer often and believe that God honors my honesty. I also believe God honors my longing, the writer And theologian writes this, Faith is homesickness. Faith is homesickness. A longing for a far-off country. I feel that sense of unshakable yearning. It comes from the deepest part of my heart. A spiritual desire that's strangely, mysteriously connected to my doubt. Sitting in church every Sunday, my doubt is my desire to touch the untouchable, to possess the presence of of God wow the family of the church is a place that we remain in by grace we stay in the family by grace alone knowing that God will not cast off his children some may choose to rebel to leave this brand new family but God welcomes them back and so should we So we've been given a brand new family. It's a wonderful family. It's not a a perfect family, but it's the family of God. It's my prayer that we, as the church, would be bound together in unity to serve this world for Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you and praise you for this new life that you've given to us in Jesus Thank you for this new family. Help us to be to be uh, aware that this this isn't uh, just like a family, this is family. And then help us to live with one another and for one another with a humble, Christ like attitude. And so, Lord Jesus, for those who may have drifted far from this family, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring them back, that they would know you as Savior. Once again, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.